You're listening to episode 61 with George Hawkins. Last episode of season two. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water, the public communications company founded by yours truly, the H2 Duo. Hi, this is Kathy Bernardino Bailey, Executive Director of the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks Department. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of women in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 Duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. So what does it mean to go rogue? It means you know we've got some serious challenges facing the water industry, but you're ready and willing to do things differently than the way we've always done them. Why? To build the bridges necessary between our industry and the people we serve to move things forward. At Rogue Water, we work with you to provide the strategy, content, and resources you need to effectively communicate with your customers so that you can work together to provide sustainable clean water services and to create healthy communities. Are you ready to go rogue? Find out more at roguewatergroup.com. So this is probably the most subdued podcast episode we've ever recorded, and it is not for lack of enthusiasm. Um... I think the dead, quiet media room made us feel like we were in a library, so we kind of sound like we're trying not to raise our voices, but super passionate discussion, and the theme of this discussion is hope and Water's role in telling that story of hope. It was an honor to daydream what's possible with George, who we definitely consider to be a mentor and someone that has been in our corner since the very, very beginning. And we mentioned that ACE was a full circle moment for us with George, and we're stoked that we got to celebrate our george anniversary <laughs> with him in real life uh, at ACE in Colorado. So I'll be sure to post my open letter to the Hawk that I posted on the day he retired from DC Water. It's uh, pretty entertaining. <laughs> george mentions that water is often the measure of what's wrong in the community, but that it doesn't have to be that way that there are new ways to look at funding, creative ways to look at workforce development, and so much potential to make our industry a bridge that brings people together. Plus, you will never forget the name Raymond Coates after this episode. An incredible story of inspiration and true validation of what's possible for the men and women in our sector from the GEDs to the PhDs. So, without further ado, let's get to the show. We are here at Ace 19 with our one of our faves, the Hawk, George Hawkins. How you doing, George? I'm doing great. Thanks I'm, for having me. I love that we have to come, we have to travel to conferences to actually like grab Tracking you by down. the the mm-hmm. jacket because <laughs> you are you're I'm, all. I'm wearing a sport coat. Oh, I'm sorry. I do own one. This is grab you yeah. by the sport coat, but I know that you have been just as busy as we have this past six months, and so. Since you kicked off season two, I wanted you to, to end season two with us um, and tell us about all the things that you've been up to with Moonshot Missions. And we, of course, will will get more into that. But um, we uh, we thought about you while we were at NACWA because uh, the Stratcoms conference, go I guess, that was just like last week. It feels yeah, like feels forever ago, ago but because we were um, in your hometown of Cleveland. Yes, and loved Cleveland and super excited to be, you know, right there next to the Cuyahoga River. And I believe you kind of have your own Cuyahoga River story. You've mentioned it on Twitter. You have. And I need to know more. Tell me about, it is the 50th. Tell me about your story, George. (laughs) I was born at Cleveland Rainbow Babies Children's Hospital. Cleveland Heights, Ohio. It was the old days. I mean, this was the 60s. So I had 72 kids on our street. What a way to grow up. You just walk out your door. We're on football teams. Saw everything. It's right out in the front yard. Easy on parents. (laughs) But I went to a big public elementary school. 2,000 kids. This was back in the day. It was the end of the baby boom. Holy cow. And I remember vividly in fourth grade uh, we took a bus trip it was a bright sunny day Cleveland Heights Shaker Heights University Heights they're the heights they're up on the hill Mm -hmm. just to the east of the city and you so you get in the bus we're going down to see this industrial heart of Cleveland and Mm -hmm. at the time Cleveland was the fifth largest industrial city in North America it was a booming Mm -hmm. booming city all the iron ore would come off Lake Superior and all this giant we'd never see it only hear about Mm -hmm. it up in the 
kids in the suburb. So you come in the bus, you go down the hill in the city of Cleveland, mm-hmm. and there's a second hill that goes down into the flats. The flats is the area that is what is called that is along the edges of the Cuyahoga River that literally snakes through the river, mm-hmm. just like that. It's a very curvy river. And what was really dramatic, I said, as we took the bus down to the flats, is the weather seemed to change because mm. it was bright sunny up in the heights and it was dark and seemed dark and cloudy. Yeah. And it, it wasn't dark and cloudy. That was all the air pollutant. You know? oh so my you would gosh. sit on one corner. St. Clair is one of the roads right down there. Mm-hmm. If you sat on one corner, you could not see a stop sign the oh next corner gosh. down because that's how thick the air was. So I uh, I remember getting off the bus, you know, a little fourth grader, and I was a little ki- I was a little fourth grader mm-hmm. for, for my size. <laughs> and I remember looking up, and the air smelled horrible. It, it was this it air smelled so bad it felt like it stuck stuck to you yeah, like sure. it would leave a film mm-hmm. and i remember looking up at the bus driver and i said but what's that smell in the air and he patted me on the head oh my son kid. that's the sweet smell of success <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god because the idea was this was six sure. 50s and 60s all the soldiers came home from world mm-hmm. war ii their families and all was going to rest and who made all those washing machines where'd all the steel come from right. it was from cities like cleveland mm-hmm booming, having switched over from tanks to cars and all the rest. Yet the consequence was pollutant like you can't believe. Yeah. I, it's still hard for me to imagine the way it was back then because it was, you couldn't see 100 feet because That's of how crazy. bad the air was. And I remember walking over and we had a little uh, lunch on a, a restaurant right on the river. Oh looking out the windows, you go out to a little deck down into the river and it looked to me, we did this as kids back then, I don't know if any kids do this anymore, finger painting? Where you just put oh yeah, they still, they still finger paint. My kids lick the window and then finger paint. To this day is looking down at the Cuyahoga River and thinking, that looks like a finger painting to me. Because mm. there was so much pollution in the river that you could see the colors uh-huh. of the petroleum and the oil yeah. and God knows what other chemicals are in there. Oh my um, and I have to say that we fourth graders were horrified. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't never really thought much about, I'm not sure I'd ever thought about the environment or anything like that. I wrote, went home and I wrote a letter mm. to President Nixon oh. with one of those big fat pencils. Yes. Oh, yes. And a big paper with the wide lines. Arian still Nixon. uses those. Yes. And my, my, much to my horror years later, I found that my mom actually had saved it. She was so, <laughs> taken by it. so my Aww. letter didn't make it to president. I was claiming credit for having president having created you changed you were yeah. responsible you for clean water act yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i thought i thought i was but any but the <laughs> thing about it was is that you didn't need to know anything mm-hmm. to know that that was wrong that was wrong this is not right it right. can't even be remotely right how can we have a world that looks this way mm-hmm. and that was the cuyahoga river uh, i they did a species count in the 60s and my recollection is they found two and i don't wow there's two species but i think they found two fish right. i gosh. can't believe they found two fish yeah you know, in fact, period anything could live in there whatsoever oh it must God. have been way upstream yeah. or some little rivulet where it could pollute mm-hmm. something i don't know but now there's 70 species of that's fish amazing the it's an unbelievable and what I, what i always say is is there were a lot of issues we took up in the 60s that we mm-hmm. wanted to help solve with what i call progressive government i don't mean democrats or republicans i mean people who want government to solve problems that right. we face as a community mm-hmm. and many of them are still with us we still have homelessness and poverty and all sorts of things one that we tackled was the kind of pollutants we saw in the cuyahoga river yes. and we should be proud of that yes. that was a problem that we as a society saw and said this will not stand mm-hmm. and in essence uh, it's not that it's all fixed. Now we've got other problems right. just like that. Yep. Sure. When, uh, I, not that we're, this is about climate change, but I was, we were watching the show, the new uh, show on uh, David Attenborough's show, that's, uh, I can't remember mm. now, Nature 2 or something. Mm. So, and one of our, our daughter was looking at it and she looked up at me and she says, am I going to die? Oh my God. And her reaction was, that listening to all the stories of how fast the climate is changing and all the consequence to mm-hmm. flooding and droughts and his heavy weather and was, she thought this was, this is it. This is mortality is at risk. And guess what? She's right. It is. Yeah. It's that level of challenge we face today mm-hmm. that we faced in the 60s. Yeah. And the reason why, despite not doing as much as we might want, I'm confident that we can yes. because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that I sit here was because of that trip. I became an environmentalist even when I didn't know what the word was Right. when I saw that. And I think anybody would. It's mm-hmm. just you know something when you see it when it's that wrong and it needs to be righted, and we got some of those things on our own 
plate now that we're, that we're the adults. And yep. uh, it's up to us to, to do as much as, as they did. That is a full circle water story. Yes, yeah. I love it. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, I've heard your background in terms of how you worked your way through different organizations and ended up in D.C. Water when you used to, you, you have like the sentence nailed where you talk about how you used to just sue them all the time or so yeah, you say it better. I never but worked <laughs> for a utility. I just sued them, regulated, and agitated. Yes, there yes, there you go. That's it. And yeah, so I'd heard that story before, but I had heard you mention before your story about that. So I wanted to make sure that I asked you about that because... You know, it was that was kind of the focus of the whole Stratcoms conference was this idea of 50 years ago, river catches on fire. And then that was sort of the catalyst for the future of um, water regulation in the country and how that changed. And so I knew not only being from Ohio, but also being an environmental lawyer that. That's probably a special uh, occasion special for moment. you. And sure. it's something I'm proud about. I, my mom lived downtown Cleveland. I mm. still go back. Um, my brother lives in Cleveland. His okay. kids there. And so Aww. I'm still associated. And uh, just the, the change. I'm not just proud of us as a society. I'm proud of a place that's yeah. been able to deliver on that kind of hope. Yeah. So. Awesome. Um, well, I know that I mentioned that I wanted to talk to you about what you've been up to. Because uh, you briefly hinted about this new enterprise of yours that you called Moonshot Missions when we spoke in January. But um, since then, you know, you've been busy off doing your thing, we've been busy doing our thing, and a few months ago, uh, I was just, in having some conversations, I just had this aha moment of where I was like, I think water's gonna save the world. And I mean, I know that that sounds kind of like, duh, no brain or water is life, like we all know that, but, um, I'm kind of approaching it from a different perspective. So, and I think I've talked about this before where um, obviously the global water crisis is, is a huge issue, is a huge problem. You have so many nonprofits and and people out there who are passionate about that and tackling that. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly important to me. But um, I also feel like there is a crisis of its own kind happening in, in water in the United States. And one that I don't think it's talked about as often or, or gets the attention from big brands like the Stellas and the whoever of the world who are working with water.org and whatnot, which is great. But, um, and it's kind of all encompassing. So not just in some of the environmental issues that you just hinted at, but from an infrastructure perspective, from a funding perspective, from a workforce Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, but also we seem to be in this time when, it feels like, and maybe this isn't true all the time, but it feels like we all just can't seem to agree on anything ever <laughs> anymore. And and so to me, it's also a piece of water kind of being that bridge that can help bring us together from your cities to your rural communities to um, your folks with I always like to say when it comes to water workforce, from your GEDs to your PhDs, we have a place for you in this industry. So things along that. But um, obviously I hinted at one of the biggest things that a lot of communities struggle with is this issue of funding. Where is this money going to come from? How are they going to make these improvements or get the money to make these improvements? And I think what Moonshot Missions, your new nonprofit that you can talk to us about, I feel like you're kind of beginning to tackle that question of how are we going to pay for this? So what is your approach with Moonshot? Sure. And by the way, I love your vision. I think you're exactly right. And it's one of the reasons I'm so tremendously <clears throat> excited about this moment in time. Yes. Mm. yes. It's our time. We're the ones on the dock. Mm-hmm. And someone else was the ones who stepped up and solved the Cuyahoga River problem. Now it's us. Yeah. She's my and it's a, it's a problem of scale, of just as significant, if not more so. Um, and as we've, we've talked about before, I think in many communities around our fair country and even around the world, water defines what's wrong. Mm. In, in, in a developing country, it may be belaboring women to have to get up before the sun mm-hmm. even rises to walk in dangerous places to get water every day. Mm-hmm. Um, to here, where water main breaks, Legionella, lead service line problems, sewer backups, treatment plant works, getting a bill that's wrong and you have no one to talk to. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Water becomes an emblem of sort of what's wrong in a place. Mm. And um, that's a tragedy because it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. This is not something that's an isolated problem there. Because it's everywhere, 
it can be bad everywhere mm-hmm. or at least in lots and lots of places but the hope is this and this is why it's so incredible that we get to live now yeah. if we'd have been doing water in any other time not that it wouldn't have been important but you go to a water treatment plant in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s they would have looked about the same <laughs> there's primary tanks and there's secondary maybe and not tertiary usually but they all been yes the pumps have gotten a little more efficient but basically the distribution systems the collection systems mm-hmm. they all look about the same um, and all the estimates that you hear now about the needs for the water system are based on that sameness mm. and at a cost of what it would have been to replace the sameness with the sameness yeah so if we've got a water main problem out in the street we're going to replace the whole bloody water main with the same kind of water main maybe a little different uh, material used Mm -hmm. but it's all gonna and that's different now yeah what has happened is extraordinary which is every day it seems there is some new approach that some really smart person way smarter than i am um, and it could be a young person or not a young person from right. all ages, genders. It's amazing. Um, the flowering of ideas about how to do this unbelievably important exists everywhere, better, faster, and cheaper. The BFC, the better, yeah. faster, BFC. cheaper. And um, it's, that presents an extraordinary opportunity. If something that has always been done that mm-hmm. costs $100 because of a new technique can cost $80. And yeah. it might even be $20. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference in cost, these, some of these savings are really dramatic. And it's something I'm already doing. So I'm a community. Yes, we're struggling. We've lost some of our big industry. So mm-hmm. I can't hire new people, can't do a lot of great projects. So they don't have enough ratepayer revenue. Yeah. But if you're running your plant for 100 bucks, that's money you already have. Yeah. And if we can help that facility adopt one of these new strategies that drops that $100 operating cost to 80, 70, 60, whatever the number is, then all of a sudden we have savings. And that's money you've already got. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to your ratepayers and ask for more. Right. That's money you already got. And you can use that savings in a whole slew of ways. Sure. One is to finance the project. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't have the upfront money to, oh, there's this great thing that someone can help me put in. That's mm-hmm. what Moonshot Missions is to do. Mm-hmm. But I don't even have the upfront money to pay for it, even right. though it pays for itself in three years or some yeah. incredible number. I said, that's okay. There's a lot of mo- impact fund money, as they say. Mm-hmm. Impact meaning investors who want their money to make a return, but also want yes. some social benefit coming from the investment. Who will come in and pay for this thing. Mm-hmm. They will get, so now you're saving the $20. We went from $100 operating to 80. I've got 20, $5 of that will go to them. They paid for it. So you have no money out the, out the door. $5 goes back, so they're getting their return. 15 bucks you can use to actually return some to your rate payers. You go to your mayor and say, you know that planned rate increase that we had? We don't need it. The mayor will be like, what? what? They'll be like Are you angels about? singing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great moment for yeah. a water utility executive to, to deliver good news. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take 10 of that, and I'm going to use that to invest in some smart meters. So our city is going to become a smart. By the way, and this is what we were talking about, Stephanie, I have something that needs a someone with that kind of skill. We need training for that. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. the community college have that kind of training? Right. Or maybe coming out of the high school because we need someone who can put in the meter on the underside of, sure. the, of the manhole cover that's going to show us the left level depth so we don't have to roll a truck when we don't need to. That yep. saves money. That's training we can get. And all of a sudden our community is seeing something that costs less, that they're training their kids or someone right. who needs a job to do something new. And water becomes not just life, water becomes hope. Mm. and that is worth getting all fired up about Mm. and i love that you have (laughs) because we're we're definitely on the same page in that and i feel um because we know the story of moonshot and maybe you've told us in other places but i know that one of the things that you've told us is that you know you came from an enterprise the size of dc water that has the backing the funding no matter how challenging it may be to do these certain initiatives and that when you were finding you were going and talking to people and they were like, that's great, but how do I get there? And so kind of just talk in general, because I think just the idea in general of what it means, the moonshot mission of that kind of talk a little bit about what that means and and what kind of inspired that for you. Sure. I've been inspired. uh, I, 
by the people who I've met, we've talked about this before as I've gone around the country and even around the world to talk about these issues, and they do often say, you tell the DC water story about your $500 million investment <laughs> in thermal hydrolysis, we're like, that's interesting, but that's never mm-hmm. gonna happen. So, yeah. Or lots of things that I, and I, my tendency was to tell the story of something great we did at the end, yeah, as opposed to where did we begin. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me, that that was a, that was a constructive feedback on the on what I'm doing which is what I ultimately want is for someone next week to do something they weren't otherwise doing mm-hmm. change occurs but it's not going to happen if I go to someone who's a professional basketball player and they tell me how it is to be a professional basketball player that has no relevance to me yeah. I will not change anything about what I do to do that even <laughs> though I might go to be entertained mm-hmm. or because I'm curious mm-hmm. it's not going to change the way I live my life yeah <laughs> Um, so the moonshot missions ideas, I still want to, we want to know what your moonshot is. I'd like to be energy self-sufficient. I'd like to have a full interactive communication system with our customers. I'd like to reduce our carbon footprint by 50%. I'd like to eliminate lead as a risk to our customers. Mm-hmm. That's a moonshot. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the story because there are community, amazing communities around the world who have solved the problem. And yep. when you hear that presentation, you hear it when the problem is solved. Yeah. yeah. And what Moonshot Missions is all about is, A, we want to know your moonshot. Focus on it. Keep that in mind. That's your horizon. We are going to get there. Remember it. Now ratchet it back. Because what we're going to talk about next is your first two steps. And it's going to be a module. We call it a Moonshot module. It is a smaller project on your path. It is, it is implementable. It is teachable. We are teaching you to fish. We are not trying to fish for you. This is all to give you <laughs> capabilities that you yep. will keep and will add to your skill set. And maybe you need someone to be trained and educated at a community college to help mm-hmm. you. Yep. Um, so have your moonshot for where you want to go long term. But what is the first two steps you're going to take? That's where we want to help. You've defined first the moonshot and then second how to get on the road. Because my experience at DC Waters, when you get on the road and you get a few successes under your belt, it becomes like, oh my gosh, I want more of those. Yeah. And now I can see the possibility. And now, gosh, I go to the community college and see if they can teach a course in these two things. Because mm-hmm. that could generate someone who could come in and help us with that. All, and then your staff says, oh my gosh, we did that. We love wow. having good news story. And look what we did. And yep. we want to do more. I have this idea. And how about that? And mm-hmm. it just starts taking on a road and a, and a momentum of its own. Yeah. And then, uh, as far as I'm concerned, then Moonshot Mission steps back. That's all you. We want you to take it. We want it to be yours. Uh, but we want to help you get on the path. So that's what Missions is all about. And I love that what it does is it kind of, um, you know, you put those steps in place where you take something that seems completely unattainable and make it feel attainable. Because sometimes for some smaller communities, just the word innovation itself may seem daunting like I could never do that but um, when we talked with uh, when we spoke with Tom Ferguson from Imagine H2O he talked about how sometimes innovation is just simply kind of a shift in a shift in perspective where you start looking at something different and suddenly now what did not seem attainable can be attainable and you kind of help these utilities who may not feel like they have the ability to do that that they can so one of the things that um, I think I posted about this on LinkedIn I, that I said, I told people like, don't be afraid of the ambiguity of your dreams. Like it's okay if you don't know exactly what it looks like there, just keep on taking those, those incremental steps forward in the right direction. And that can help get you there. And so it sounds like you're creating kind of those first steps that build that confidence. Well, I love what you just said. And this is my theory of strategic planning, by the way. Ooh. Early in my career, I would, was, as many of us have been involved in big, long strategic planning efforts with a big, long strategic plan that yes. three months later is completely irrelevant. <laughs> or it's because it's so big. And so, so my view of strategic planning is just what I'm trying to do with Moonshot. So that's what I have done. That's not just what I'm, hopefully the other way around. I'm now talking what I walked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is when I go to, when I was at DC Water, I knew what my horizon was. And then I would look down at my feet for my next two steps. Mm-hmm. And that's all I really plan out, two or three steps, because yep. everything changes so fast. There's so a new fast. mayor, there's a new council member, there's a new issue that came up. You're mm-hmm. bobbing and weaving according to the needs of the day constantly. But then you look back up after you've taken those. Am I still oriented? If I'm not, well, I know i got to take a few steps to the left, but just a few steps. And then if yeah. you keep doing that, it's amazing that after four or five years, I've just taken 60 steps 
and I'm now on that hill just close to that horizon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I never, if I thought about the horizon, how I was going to get there, I wouldn't have any idea how to get there. But those first, I always know the next few steps first. Second, and I appreciate how you mentioned that some are nervous about innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you an example of a moonshot mission. Okay. Um, module, I'm sorry. The module is the step to take. The mission is where you want to get to. Um, because this is sort of innovation, but sort of not. It's yeah. A lot of these things are, are not are, are things that absolutely a utility can do once they're sort of coached. Um, and I, I was mentioning this ahead of time. A lot of communities have shrunk from their industrial peak. Cleveland mm-hmm. is a perfect example, but lots of towns. So their treatment plants are oversized. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have more primary tanks than they need. I never thought about this, by the way. I give all the credit to this. Andy Cricken, you need to be on this show if you're listening. Hey, um, Andy. Andy's absolutely wonderful. Want to hear your story. He's super smart and one of the nicest guys ever. He's just he's an engineer, came out of Princeton, went to Camden, has been there his entire okay. career. Um, they were in real trouble 20 years ago, violating their permits, didn't have enough money. It was just a very, very poor part of the country. And he had a chance to take over. And in the 20 years since... His moonshot was they are now almost energy self-sufficient. Hmm. They have they have reduced rates. Hear that? Hear that, everyone? Reduced rates. <laughs> um, and they've improved every environmental criteria, every pr- uh, uh, measure that they have. So I was talking to Andy, his good friend. I was like, well, what did you do? And he was telling me all these. No, no, no. Where did you start? Yeah. And he goes, primary tank optimization. I'm like, what, what the heck is that? And he goes, well, Camden, like a lot of communities, used to need more primary. We, our treatment plant is bigger because we've had a lot of population loss, mm-hmm. like a lot of cities. So we had more primary tanks than we needed. We have 10, we only use six. Well, it turns out primary tanks remove pollutants by gravity. Some floats to the top, other floats to the mm-hmm. bottom. It's almost no power, almost no chemicals. It's like the cheapest way. So the longer the flow can sit in a primary tank, the more pollutants get removed for free. Yeah. So if you, so his view, this is simple genius. That's like the best kind of genius. Is I want to get those four tanks that we don't need back online, so that now I have more capacity than I need, which means that the flow can sit in them longer, which means we remove pollutants for free, and that means secondary, which is where all the chemicals and the electricity and all the rest is used, can be more refined. And we can use less. And he put this project in place. It was covered by the New Jersey State Revolving Fund. So he didn't have to put upfront funding. But they saved money on chemicals. They saved money on electricity. They saved money on dewatering. And they improved their environmental performance. Cash flow-wise, more money than it cost. Like, oh, my God, that's like the sun coming out after a long (laughs) rainy spell. That's the perfect project. That's a module. Yeah, that sounds So we have a module. On primary (laughs) tank optimization. They have a module for that. And we have, th- those That's are the funny. kinds of modules that we're seeking because that first step, in my view, ought to be one that saves you money that you're currently spending. Yeah. We want to have steps on a lot of things. Say I save 20 bucks because it's now $80 to do something that used to be 100 mm-hmm. and five of that I have to use to finance the project. So I have 15. One of my moonshots is have a communication system with our customers because I realize without that, no matter what else we do, we're going to have a hard time getting approvals and support. Mm-hmm. Our customers need to know why we matter to them. You all mm-hmm. know this is better than anyone. <laughs> well, that will cost some money. Yeah. But now I have not new rate. This is no rate increase. Right. I have this cash money right in my hand. Mm-hmm. Now I can go on to do the things that I know we need right. in our utility to connect to our community and then start this positive feedback with our customers, mm-hmm. engagement, and go forth. Yes. So our modules are designed to save money, operating and capital upfront, enable that utility to have good news, to start hope, to deliver a good message to a mayor, to a council, to a customer, to their own staff, mm-hmm. and then get some financial leeway to start investing in all. We're here at Ace. You go upstairs like, oh my God, look at all this stuff out there. It's like, yeah. so much. So much. But they have to have the budget space space and maybe a trusted advisor which yeah. Moon Job Mission is designed to be where an advisor where peers yep. will walk you through this mm-hmm. teach you and then we, like the best thing for you to say is we got this now good and we go on to yes. someone else and yes. that's, that would be like again that's dream world singing. yeah, yeah. same here to the next. yeah so. and what's a better story to tell than one of hope right. so oh god I get all fired up and oh. no I love it this Woo-hoo. is why I wanted to talk about this because this is one of the ways that I think that um 
you know, to go to your point of that water doesn't have to be the measure of what's wrong, but water does get, can become the measure of, of hope of what's possible and of what's next. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things, one of those kind of bridges that I also saw and that you've kind of talked about in terms of this training is obviously this great challenge of, um, workforce that we're facing in the industry, how such a significant number uh, of our population in the water workforce is going to be retiring and how are we going to bring those new folks in and someone who got me fired up as much as when we talked to you is this woman named Mimi White who is out of um, she's in human resources at Montgomery County Environmental Services in Kettering Ohio another Ohio um, all these great yeah. folks coming out of Ohio, yeah, man. Um, and she, I saw her, where we saw her speak at the Utilities yeah. Management Conference this past um, spring Gosh, uh, yes. in Nashville. Well, I don't even know what, what's this month. Uh, yeah. And she talked about their ta- talent pipeline that they're working on and how um, they're their water utility is kind of integrating into the local community to build to kind of build this workforce even at a young age to create programs that encourage people to get involved in the water industry earlier to kind of take away some of those barriers in terms of licensing or or things not not getting rid of licensing but creating partnerships or opportunities that make licensing more available so that when people graduate from high school or they're they're ready to hire right now because they can take those kinds of things so um You've kind of touched on training, workforces is a big issue. Like, what's kind of your perspective on that now and, and kind of your take on what is, I mean, you don't have to give the best approach, but whatever your opinion is on uh, that. Um, I'd say three things. Um, and they're not in conflict with each other, but they're different. Mm-hmm. The one is there are some places where I talk to utility folks and they're not able to hire what they need. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's not only that folks are retiring, is that they don't. So, of course, part of this is identifying candidates and, groom, and grooming them for new jobs. Mm-hmm. In some cases, though, there's some work that won't need to be done. Mm. So some utilities, and it's not ever, and I had five unions at, at DC Water, it's not about letting anybody go. Mm-hmm. But some of the positions, at, over time, we would create some automated system that did it. We wouldn't need that mm-hmm. position. So we right. would take somebody and move them to other work. We right. always had more work to be done. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was never about firing anybody. Yeah. It was about redeploying people to what was needed. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, if we couldn't find 10 people to do this, well, maybe we only didn't need five of them. And we took those five and have now redeployed them to work we needed. And everyone feels valued. Uh, so it does help in cases where there's a utility that is not able to hire. Mm-hmm. And, and is wondering where their resource. Well, we can help use the, what the resources you've got more effectively. Second, what I found at DC Water is that our employees were remarkably interested. I, I personally believe, and this is a, a sort of one of these things I believe. I don't have any empirical. I've never studied it, <laughs> but my experience has been is that people want to be engaged in the work that they do, in the fashion of how can it be done better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I would always ask any employee is. And every new employee that came into the enterprise, I always give them the same little speech, which is within six months, you're going to know your job as well as almost anyone, certainly within a year or two. And when that day comes, and it will come, mm-hmm. when you, I'll say you're doing a permit or you're a procurement, and you say, why does it work this way? Because if it worked that way, it would be better. I want to know. Yeah. Because A, as an enterprise, we need to catch, catch those, do them, we'll save money, time, that's the better, faster, cheaper, the BFC. Um, but as soon as you have mixed, this is, sounds almost like Karl Marx or something. As soon as you have mixed <laughs> your labor and your ideas into something you're working on, that's now not ours. Yours, or it's ours. Yeah. We have done that. Mm-hmm. Now you're all the more engaged. Now I'm going to learn more. It was pretty cool what I had. And so all of a sudden this notion that well, our employees can't learn new things. Yeah, they were learning new stuff because it was adding to the way they were doing things, mm-hmm. their own ideas. They were engaged. All of our innovation projects were to engage our own team in being part of it. And I found that was fen- phenomenally successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third is when you do need new candidates. Um, this was both the training that you'd have. Uh, I love your phrase the GED to the PhD because mm-hmm. of course we have all of those yeah and at the top end we're competing with some of I mean we you're trying to get tech people you do need folks coming out with those degrees mm-hmm. 
I found that with folks coming out, they wanted to do this. The mm -hmm. idea that I was going to go into an organization at DC Water where they do all this new kind of stuff and I can participate and it's water, that mobilized. All of a sudden, we were getting great candidates in on that mm -hmm. sort of the PhD side. On the G G GED side, we had a program called DC Waterworks where we were identifying every potential new job on any contractor or on staff in advance. We had 46 service providers, so we're not doing the training. Others mm -hmm. are better at it and have done their pros. would identify candidates, prepare them in advance. So when the job opened up, there was someone who knew about it in advance. The training was specifically prepared. We had hoped for a certain level of hiring, and I now don't remember the percentages. All I remember is that we beat it. Inc I mean, we so far exceeded our goal. Yeah. Because it was, it's like the old-fashioned utility way. It wasn't thinking, well, we should train people and hope they come. Um, <laughs> someone who doesn't know what a water job is like walking in off the street and getting it um, is almost always going to fail. Yeah. And it's too bad because it'll be like that person wasn't ready, didn't want a job. Well, who's going to walk into something they don't know anything about and succeed? We had tremendous success when six months in advance or even longer, we were preparing, training. Here's what's going to You're going to be outside. You're going to do this kind of work. Here's what you need to know. And then when the job opens, you walk into a job already knowing so much about what you're planning to do. We're better off as an enterprise. We get this employee who charges right in. The employee comes in with a sense of confidence. We've hired someone who's a district resident who needed a job. Yeah. The economy of the city, think about the city was maybe providing some support services to someone who's now got a job and paying taxes like the rest of the, all that financial swing is so positive. Mm -hmm. That family is now being supported. It's like there's almost so many benefits it's hard to measure them all. Yeah. So it's just in all of those fashions uh, that the, everyone said, oh, you're not going to be able to replace. We were getting unbelievable talent coming in. Yeah. We were training great people who needed jobs. It was at every part of the spectrum, and everybody was valued. And it really, you're totally, totally right. It is such a core. And you, uh, one of the things we were talking about before is the importance in today's world. I won't get big P political, but small P political is it's painful for those of us who sort of were in what we do, we always have to make things work. So you're always compromising and making, you're, you're talking to everybody, everyone's your customer, yep. no matter what their views are, you still serve them. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of from the profession that talks and works with everyone. Um, and yet the world seems to be going the other way. Um, and the what we're talking about and helping a community reduce costs that they already have, engaging people who need jobs, that is a message mm -hmm. that works everywhere for everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. That is bipartisan, as true as that word can be. There is no Republican, Democrat, independent, anything. You can tell me I'm gonna save money on what you're currently spending, who's not for that? Yeah. We're gonna give jobs for people in your community who need it, who's not for that? Mm -hmm. We're gonna create some uh, mobility and cleaning the water that you all have coming out of your tap, well, who's not for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can do things, as you said, you're totally right on. I'm so excited for us and for you <laughs> to see how it unfolds in your neck and what's in the things that you're doing is how we can use this as a measure of hope and oh, um, yeah. really take communities to a place that maybe they haven't been. And that's, that's a word, that's the side of the angels. Yeah. It's a pain, you know, painful is the perfect word when you describe what it's like for someone who feels trapped or stuck or like they can't provide for their families. And so, um, for me, it's exciting to think that water can be an opportunity for mm -hmm. people to learn new skills and come in and be not only just have this job, but you are now a vital piece of your community because mm -hmm. of the service that you're providing. And one of the things like we've talked about this, you've talked about this. Um, we talked about this with Mimi White, who I talked about is that um, I think all of us in our own way have worked diligently to, to in our own way, kind of lift up those people who I feel like maybe have not always gotten the credit or like, hey, you're important and what you do matters and water is life and you're a part of that. You are the enterprise, as as you would say, and you what you do every day is vital to every single living being and every single job, which also comes from something that you've said in mm -hmm. in your presentations. And it just kind of and, you know, Mimi White was kind of talking about this uh, from the perspective of always using that opportunity to lift up those folks that are doing that work. And um, I think 
one of the things that's, I guess, one of my own soapbox issues is how in some way people, and this is coming from someone who just collectively, there's several college degrees sitting right here in various forms of fashion. But but somehow, and I don't know when this happened, there became this element of shame if you didn't go to college. But there's so many professions and jobs and vocations that you don't need to. And there's so many jobs in water that you don't need to. There's a whole nother level of technicality and licensing and all of that. And just, yeah. Let me uh, One of my absolute favorite stories from all of my time at DC Water happened near the end. Um, As many people know, I battled for five years to open up the consent decree to enable us to invest some significant funds Mm -hmm. in green infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we spent a lot of time doing the first environmental impact bond to fund that first set of uh, GI projects. Uh, And so this was a project funded by this ingenious, uh, Mark Kim, give him all the credit, ingenious financial tool and and, um, Eric Leitzinger at uh, Quantified oh, Ventures. Oh, love Eric. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he's a, he was the brainchild. Shout out. Of, Hi, Eric. Hey. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, well, here's, so the first GI project we did, funded by that environmental impact bond, and the mayor, all these dignitaries came, and we had redone an entire city street with green. First, it was technically amazing. One of the things we had everyone do, the mayor and all these folks line up, and we dumped a bucket of water on the old asphalt that rolled off to the new mm. forest pavement. Mm-hmm. And so it hit the water like you'd expect rolling off, and it hit the porous pavement, mm. and you would have thought there was a Magic. vacuum cleaner <laughs> upside down. Because yeah. yeah. it didn't just sink in. It got sucked in. Yeah. yeah. Was, and everyone was like, Whoa. oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what we're doing. All yep. that rainwater that would have been in the storm drain, would have been overflowing, would have been going in someone's basement. Sure. going. You know where it's going? See that tree right there? Yeah. This water is going to make that tree green in the middle of the summer when yeah. it's really hot because we stored it now. It's like, but the best part of the whole thing, was great, is that, we it featured Raymond Coates. I remember his name. And he had been unemployed um, on Ward 7 or Ward 8 on the east side of the river. And he had been identified in the DC Water Works project. He had been trained in the certification program for mm-hmm. green infrastructure we did with WEF, mm-hmm. the National Green Infrastructure Certification Program. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he got certified. Um, and he stood up. When no, no one was quite sure. He's not, well, some of us do talk all, all the time. And he gave the most stirring talk. Mm. And all of us, literally, the mayor, we all sort of had a tear coming down our face. It was, it would have been easier to have a lot more. He, and, he st- and at the end, is, I, I don't remember it word for word, but this is pretty close to what he said. He said, I, I, I learned so much about how to do this in my own community. And I worked on this project, and I'm helping where I live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I learned in this, I learned about getting LEED certification for buildings that do really good green work and LEED gold and lead platinum and he says today and this makes me teary I hate even saying it he says today I feel like a lead platinum person and everybody in the crowd it was so it was big picture it was engineering it was the community but it came down to a person who felt like maybe he wasn't as worthy he hadn't delivered and now he felt like oh my god look what I am doing in my own place so we'd given him a job he had now been hired to do green infrastructure around the city all those things but in in a a sense of soul Mm -hmm. his life had been changed and all of the things I ever did I like with that one person it's worth it all oh yeah totally hands down yeah, hands down, and like that's a message of hope that comes from the initiatives. You do that, that tens of thousands, yeah, if not hundreds yeah. of thousands of times over, and every one of those stories yeah. will be putting tears in people's eyes yeah. because they're stirring. Yeah, that's what grabs people right at a, such a core level, and it's yep. it doesn't matter what party well, you are. You and it's like as public educators, we you know we would struggle with you know we there's a ton of. Um, curriculum out there for the kindergarten through fifth grade and even some junior high and we're always sitting around round tables wondering how do we reach out to these high schoolers how do we get them to care about the environment get them to care about water you know we brush them off as oh they're high schoolers you know they, they don't, don't care, care. About, any, about anything when that's after leaving the city and seeing this bigger world of the water industry I'm almost I want to go back so bad and be like this is what they care about. They need jobs. They know in four years, three years, two years, one year, they're on their own. They know, you know, whether or not they're going to college. Um, 
they may Raymond think they're Coates. going to college, and then they may find out that they can't now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Raymond so, Coates was never going to go to college. Well, yeah. I shouldn't say that. Maybe he was now that he's inspired. But you know what? That feeling he had, I, I, I don't think he would have traded it for a PhD. No. He just uh-uh. felt like, oh, my gosh. And he learned something. He mm-hmm. got a certificate. It was right. all the same process. Yes. But what it was processing on was a skill that he was doing in his own community mm-hmm. that he understood yes. why it mattered. And, and that's what oh my gosh, that that's what we need to remember as we're going through. Um, when I say we, I'm speaking to anyone in the public education world is like there is a touch point and that is that workforce development that you can, you know, begin using that as you're in into the schools and in those high schools and make impact, immediate impact. Right immediately these kids are graduating and they're they have a d license that's life-changing yeah you know they have a full-time job with health benefits that's amazing right. and, and we all know that once they get in our field they're not leaving they're not no. leaving. you get drawn nah. in you're yeah you're, you're in you're in there's so many <laughs> options i mean why would you but you know between an amazing story like Raymond who Raymond Coates whose name I will now never yes. forget and you know looking at the way that you're talking about building hope in communities by it, uh, by showing what's possible you know that's a great story and hope is contagious so I'm just excited to see I believe that water is well we believe we're trying to revolutionize the water industry mm-hmm. and one way to do that is to use water as what's going to revolutionize us as a community and that's a complete community so from not just from neighbor to neighbor but from state to state to person to person and uh I felt that really strongly when we spoke in January and I mm-hmm. knew that you had been working a lot towards that we'd been having some amazing conversations mm-hmm. and so I thought that that would be really cool for us to come to ACE which Ariane reminded us earlier that that's the this is our full circle moment with George Hawkins yeah because we walked into ACE um 16 in was that philadelphia yeah Mm -hmm. philadelphia and um we see this you know innovation track and we're like "Ooh, that sounds great um and somehow we we get in there it's a packed room and you know we see a couple people speak and then we see this guy he's been (laughs) jotting down notes he gets up he starts talking and he doesn't have a powerpoint i don't see any spreadsheets (laughs) i'm not seeing any screens full of words I'm like, where is his notes? Uh, and we're both panicking, like, this is this might go, this might be a train wreck. I don't know which direction this is going in. I'll always remember how you started. You're like, well, I didn't prepare a presentation, but I was taking some notes while my fellow panelists were speaking, and I was like, oh, my God, this could go in either direction. <laughs> oh, so that was our very first uh, And then he nailed it. Nailed it. And I was, we like, were... scrambling to write down every single point every that single he wrote. Point. And, yeah. And, and, I mean... We immediately, that's, that is, thank you. This is when we joined Twitter. Yes. As the H2 <laughs> duo. Stalk the Hawk. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was our secret hashtag, Stalk the Hawk. So Twitter, water Twitter, uh, you're welcome. You should thank George for yep. the H2 duo getting on Twitter at yep. that moment. Yeah. Three years ago. I, uh, I'm proud of that. <laughs> no, I, it's the sort of thing where the message that we're all delivering here is that you never know where the message goes. Right. Um, um, and I've watched what you're doing with incre- the amount of enthusiasm, commitment, skill, and capability that you're bringing to this. And I, I, I mean, I always used to say, before I really got involved with utilities, because I was always a water guy, mm-hmm. is that almost every community it's, is known by its water bodies. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of them, whether they're polluted or the mm-hmm. systems, it's not a positive attribute. We can make water. The hope, the attribute, the creativity, the connection, the place, the th- the issue that draws folks who have been otherwise mm-hmm. um, into a, a future that's something we want to see for ourselves and our kids. And um, by the way, a lot of these projects will save on energy. A lot of yeah. these projects will reduce greenhouse gases. A lot of these projects will do all sorts of other things. But it's connected to a topic that at least I found in D.C. where I was doing it directly 
it's, it's a connection that people make quickly. Yep. Yeah. It's not like trying to explain the difficulty of nuclear physics or something. <laughs> this is water. It's water. Where's your yeah. favorite place to go to the beach? Well, we got water out of the tap. And what you shower with? Now, do you yeah. wonder what happens when you flush the toilet? All these things mm -hmm. that you do every single day and you can't wait to go visit and all that and when it's too much algae in the in the lake when you go to visit how horrible that is well mm -hmm. all of those things we can bring home and then you become part you're not just someone we serve you are we're all in this uh, together it's just it like i said i i have loved what you've done i foresee a future of extraordinary things Ooh. just my uh, extraordinary things and um the f the f like my ability missions? to be part of it is like well, it's, it's super it's just that's what life's all about well george if we get to revolutionize the world with you then that'll be like Yeehaw. done Yeehaw. bucket list cross <laughs> off the list so um thank you for taking out some time to spend with us today and chat about you know yes solving all the world's problems through water and we're equally as excited to watch what you've got going on and yes. to be a part of that story as well so. i want to give you names of so many people right now <laughs> <laughs> you need to and not just for you know the needs help uh, side but like you need to meet this person who can help you with that problem you need to meet this person who can help you with that problem like i love that we're building a community and getting everybody into you know the same direction curating connections well, yes. God bless you both. I'm really, really honored and privileged and pleased. You, I don't know, just a personal level, really pleased <laughs> to be here with you. So, anytime, anywhere, all the time. That's Thanks, all George. Yeah, we're just show up with our suitcase and set up and we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. It's pretty crazy, y'all. I cannot believe that we are wrapping up season two, that this is 61 and that we are kicking off season three on Monday, August 5th. And that I already have this incredible list of people ready to be interviewed. And we're incredibly excited for season three. We couldn't have done it without you. So thank you 100% with all your support. We couldn't do this without our sponsors. Every day we truly feel privileged that we get this opportunity to, to do this and to work with our industry in this way. So can't say thank you enough. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. <laughs>